Welcome to Talk Wealth to Me, a safe space podcast where we chat about anything and everything related to personal finance. The information contained in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute as accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Welcome to Talk Wealth to Me, podcast episode number two, here with Katie Utterback and Felipe Aravalo. And this week we are talking credit reports and scores. We are talking about consumer credit. What is it? How do you build it? Why do you need it? Why do I care? Why do we care? That's definitely something we get out to the community and say, you know, why should you care about this? It, and, and so many people have an idea of what it is. So many people kind of hear about what it is and they know it's important to them, but why? And they don't usually find out about what their credit score is or what's on their credit reports until they you need, need some, something. Yeah. yeah. Jinx. They go to buy something, <laughs> right? <Jinx. laughs> they go to buy something. They go to uh, apply for a loan and they get an answer. And unfortunately, sometimes that answer is not the one they were looking for. Absolutely. And then they come panicked. Yeah. They're like, what do we do? How am I ever going to buy a home? How am I going to buy that car? Somebody will co-sign for me, right? <laughs> and especially if they're younger, mom, dad. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just say no, folks. Just say no. Unless you are willing to flip the bill for whatever it is your child needs or wants at the time. Um, just say no. How I, I can't say that. And 100%. are you? Are you? But are you saying that because if you're a co-signer, are you 100 percent responsible for whatever yes. somebody spends? 100 percent responsible. Uh, you and the co-signee, whoever it would, whoever it is, if it's your child, your son, your daughter, um, you are both signing that document as if you are both 100 percent responsible. Now you might have the agreement with whoever you co-signed for because you have the credit or the 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 good or bad credit as it might be uh, and they don't but according to the creditor the one who is uh, financing the loan for you under that agreement you are responsible to pay the debt they don't care who it is now they'll send the bill to the co-signer or to the co-signee right they will send the bill uh, to your son or daughter and Hopefully they pay that bill every single month. So Chase, now I'm going to put you on the spot. You have two little ones. I do. Um, what happens when uh, one of them, the, your oldest, your son, turns 18 and says, "Hey, Dad, you co-sign the credit card for me?" Ooh. Yeah, you know I won't start it that way. I will actually make them an authorized user on my credit card early on uh, in their lives. Uh, I, I will not let them have it. They okay. they will not use it unless it's specifically given to them for a specific reason, um, but they won't have it that'll sit around in their wallet. So can we just slow down there too? Sure. Authorized user. Mm-hmm. Different deal altogether. Different from cosigner. Yep. What exactly is that? Meaning that on my account, it could be a current account, a new account that you buy. It could be uh, uh, your singular account. It could be your wife's and your, uh, you know, where you both have an account together, joint account, as they say. Um, where you can make anyone, this isn't just your son or daughter, but I could make you, Katie. I could say, I want to add Katie 
Rocky too, or Katie Utterback, excuse me. Uh, I'm going to apologize to your husband so many times. Um, Sorry, AJ. You are newer. Yeah, you are newly married, AJ, so I apologize. But um, you can have anybody added to your account. And what that does is you can have an actual card with your name on it uh, that you can use at your will. But what happens is, is I still get the bill. You do not. That person does not. Uh, and they are not responsible at all for paying that bill. I still am. I kind of like it's this It's a convenience thing. <laughs> yeah, for the authorized <laughs> user. I, I would too if I were you. <laughs> um, but it basically means that that person is able to use it and, and use the card with their name on it so it's not confusing. Um, anywhere that you know anybody takes Visa, MasterCard, or American Express, or Discover, whatever card it or account it is, and... They can use it of their free will, but when the bill comes in, it doesn't come to them. It comes to me, and when that report is, when that information is sent to your credit report and and, and your credit score is being built, it does not show up um, as heavily on your report, let's say, um, as mine, meaning... On your credit report, if you were to go look, you would see my account, but it would say on there authorized user, which means it's showing and telling the creditors that you have no responsibility for that debt at all. However, you are now using credit. Okay. So maybe that would be a good step if somebody's trying to build credit. It's a step. It's called piggybacking in the financial world. And and in fact, the creditors would love it if if piggybacking would go away, Um, but it really can't. Um, It's very difficult. Can we talk a little bit about why we need to care about our credit scores? Because I think for a lot of people, myself included in this, I always thought it was just kind of something you needed if you wanted a new credit card or if you wanted to buy a house. But there you are do other need them for those things. But there are yeah. other people that are looking at your credit score or your credit report to make a decision. Everyone. No? Everyone. Yeah, I mean, not, I mean, obviously not if your <laughs> your friend isn't trying to look it up. <laughs> Credit's not good enough. Was, right? <laughs> well, um, your uh, significant other should at some but point. But I tell you what, I I have known, yeah, I, <laughs> I have known people that looked up people's credit before that because not everybody is honest. But and that's a whole different podcast together. Um, but yeah, I mean, insurance is looking that up. Um, Landlords for sure, absolutely. Yeah, um, possible uh, employees. Oh yeah, prospective employees. Now it employees. depends on the laws. The and it depends mm-hmm. the state you live in. Yeah. Um, but I mean, even I mean, down to if you're open, if you're trying to get an apartment. I mean, whenever you try to get the lights on and utilities, and you know, here locally in San Diego, we have SDG&E. Um, they're looking up your credit for everything. You fill out applications for everything. Right, your cell phone. Trying to switch to a different cell phone provider, they might be looking at your no, not might credit. They well, are. Yeah, they're definitely well, unless you do those prepaid ones, the cheap ones. Boost. Yeah. Boost Mobile. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't you're think right. they do. Unless you're financing. Month month. Anytime you're going to finance something or you're going to pay monthly for, uh, whether it be cable or DirecTV or whatever it might be, uh, they're they're looking up your credit for all of that stuff. Um, if you're in the military uh, and, security and, clearance. and you're looking for security clearances or you need security, you have security clearance, they're checking it all the time because you, if you have bad credit, that you could lose your security clearance. Okay, so I actually interviewed, DebtWave has a credit score coach on our team, and yeah. it's... Um, a good one, by the way. A really good one. Her She's name really is, nice. She is really nice. It's Rihanna Sanchez-Torres. I spoke with her, you guys, talking about credit scores and credit reports a little bit this morning, and 
a couple of things she was talking to me about, we didn't really delve too deep into it, so I wanted to bring it up with you guys. One of uh, the things we're talking about is Experian. One of the credit reporting bureaus now offers this program called Experian Boost. And like you were saying, the utility companies that are looking at your credit, if you didn't pay those bills a lot of times, you could get penalized for that. So there's You're not getting penalized. They're just not reporting it. I mean, so in a, I guess in a way you are for those people that don't have credit because to build credit, you have to have it, mm -hmm. right? You have to spend it. And so what a, what a big theory and an argument that a lot of people and in industry professionals are making, which is true, is that, you know, these people, we make these payments on time all the time, whether it's my utilities or my, uh, my cable television or my phone bill. Um, those things that, that we pay for monthly, just like we would pay a credit card or a mortgage or a, a rent, although those are larger ones, right? We still make those payments all the time, but yet those aren't being sent to the credit reports because technically they're not, um, you're not paying anything back. You're just paying for a service, but sure. a lot of it is the same. In fact, FICO 9, for instance, uh, is something that FICO has recently, a couple of years ago, put out, but not everybody is is using it. FICO 8 is typically the, the most common uh, FICO score that, that most industry uh, professionals are using. But FICO 9, for instance, takes into consideration uh, less impact on unpaid medical bills because where FICO 8, it's if you don't pay your medical bills and it's on – and it goes into collections or you don't pay those. I mean, it's, it hits you just like it would hit a credit card or a missed car payment or a missed mortgage payment would be where now they're saying, as we've learned and credit evolves, FICO is saying, look, medical bills can be huge, right? And that can be in a very unfortunate situation in your life where it could be just a huge amount of money in a very unfortunate situation where you're just not – that's not something that says – if you can't pay that at that time, and because you are unlucky that you didn't have great health insurance that you're offered through your company, that you can, they're saying that you are not necessarily a bad credit risk because yeah. you couldn't pay big medical bills. Yeah, that wasn't a bad decision or two that you made. You that's know, correct. Uh, that's just something, that's one of those life happened and, and you know, now you have to deal with it. And FICO 9 says that's true. And also with rent, you know, the renters have been really affected negatively by their credit because that's something that we pay for monthly to live just like we would if it was in, uh, in our buying the home and paying a mortgage. Mm -hmm. um, and you could pay rent for, you know, forever and not be late once. Um, in fact, that's why we tell people all the time that, you know, have, you have a letter. If you're trying to buy a home or you're trying to do something where you don't have a ton of credit and, get a letter and have it from your, your landlord saying how great it was to work with you um, because you paid everything on time. Um, but it's evolving. Because you're right. The, it's the utilities good. and it's uh, mobile phone payments and it's rent. Yeah. Those are the things they're trying to give people credit for. <laughs> be careful what you wish for because there's going to be good and bad with everything. Some oh, people yeah. think that those things are good, but they're going to forget that they forgot they forgot to pay that phone bill a few times. <laughs> auto pays. Set up auto pays. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> that's a great thing that Debt Wave Credit Counseling has made available to their clientele uh, and that they have that option to speak with somebody like that that one can on help one. them. One-on-one. Mm -hmm. One-on-one. Not everybody has that. I mean, you can do that with the, the SDFLC, but, I mean, that's something that, we, that Debt Wave designated 
has an employee just for that. I think that that's pretty impressive. And she, she's really on it. She knows what she's talking about. She is. And she takes the time to really work with you on a personal level to figure out what is going to help you specifically improve your credit score. And that's honestly the most valuable thing that we could probably do. Especially because it's not a one size fits all thing. I mean, everybody's situation is so uniquely different. Around the community, people always want to know, well, my friend was told this. (laughs) I was like, well, that's good for your friend. And that might have been great advice for your friend. But you know, you and your friend are in different financial situations. You know, the thing that's going to benefit you the most isn't necessarily the thing that's going to benefit someone else the most. It's like when people always ask us, what's the best credit card? For who? You know, for what financial situation? Because the answer is not, here's your credit card ABC, and that's the best one for everyone. Because it's not. Some people may not qualify for that card. Some people may qualify for a card that's much better. Um, you know, we all have different lifestyles. So there's not one size fits all when it comes to credit a lot of times. And, and it's important to try and identify that. And be, the fact that she's able to provide customized uh, advice for, for the for the individual, that that's always great because, you know, you don't want to try and provide a blanket advice because that's really not going to work for everyone. Take a listen to this, this interview because I think that she's going to shed a lot of light Uh, with Katie uh, on what it's like to work with people individually uh, with their credit and and how it can benefit them. And she really throws a lot of insight into this. So don't miss uh, this interview. So thank you so much for joining us for our podcast because we really wanted to get into credit scores and credit reports. And this is something that you are working with our clients every day on credit scores and credit reports. And this is a very important role. We actually, this is a new position, the credit score coach. So can you help us explain a little bit about what you're doing as a credit score coach? What kind of information are you sharing with clients when they call in and are wanting to talk about their credit score? Okay, thank you so much for having me. I'm actually very honored to be here. I love I love sharing and spreading the word about what we do here at that wave. Um, first, I usually on my daily life, I'll call the clients uh, that have had an anniversary with us and I just introduce myself, tell them about what I do, uh, what I can do for them, which is usually just a uh, short speech <laughs> telling them that I can give them their FICO score and uh, let me see what else. And maybe Try you to. could just back up a little bit too. What is a FICO score? Oh, okay. So the first thing is uh, FICO score is a way to measure uh, your credit worthiness. So pretty much to see how much of a reliable debtor you are. And um, it all depends on, it's a, a bunch of numbers. And I think it's from 300 to 850. And it focuses on five main factors. Usually people think, oh my goodness, how much I make, it affects my FICO score. But that's not true. It is just purely on how you handle paying people back. So much. income is not a factor in your credit Not score. a factor at all, which surprises people so much. Um, but I believe it gives the ability to people that earn under a certain level to have a good FICO score. And even if you make six figures, you can still have a bad or a good FICO score. So it do, it's not dependent on how you make, uh, how much you make. And uh, yeah, so the FICO score, usually it is broke down in about four four main categories there's the lower lowest one which is or poor um there is also 
that needs improvement category, the average category, and then there's uh, good and excellent. Um, yeah. So for the clients that are calling in, the clients that you're working with, mm -hmm. where do they fall on this spectrum of credit scores? Are they people that have good credit scores, poor credit scores, excellent credit scores? Is there a group that kind of fits in? We have a variety of clients. Uh, most of my clients are going to fall in the average category. We do have uh, some of our clients uh, in needs improvement. Um, what I have seen, though, is that the lowest you are, the higher you can go. So if I see a client in the lowest category, it's nothing that worries me. As long as you start working on your credit score the minute you, we start. And we start working with our clients two months after they've been on the program. So, so this is really good news for somebody that has a really low credit score is that that's not permanent at all is what you're saying, right? Yeah, absolutely. It changes all the time. I tell them, I tell the clients that the FICO score is so sensitive and it goes up and down however he desires, but there's certain tricks that we can do in order to increase the credit score and certain tricks sometimes um, in order for you to increase it without you having to change as much as you think you would have to change. Interesting. Yeah. Can you kind of expand a little bit for me? What are some of those tips or tricks that people can implement in their daily lives to try to build up that credit score? Yeah. So the first thing I tell them is to make sure you're monitoring your credit report because sometimes we focus so much on credit scores that we forget about our credit report, right? Whatever shows up on your credit report is what dictates your credit score. And how do I even monitor my credit report? Where do I go to find that? So the best way for us to do it, and now there's so many ways and so many places to say that, say that they are the best websites. The one that I particularly trust just because it's authorized by federal law, it's annualcreditreport.com. Annualcreditreport.com. Okay. So that's where I go to get my credit report. Yes. And financial advisors recommend us to go every four months. So let's say today, Kitty, you go home and you want to check your annualcreditreport.com and you ask for Experian. And four months later, you ask for Equifax. And four months after that, you ask for Equifax. Um, and then that way, every single year, you're monitoring, monitoring your credit report throughout uh, that year. That is something that financial advisors recommend. I personally, I'm a very forgetful person. So I try to do it on Black Friday or right after Thanksgiving. As everybody's focusing on shopping, I know it's my time for us for my three credit reports. And oh, I that's a great idea. Yeah. So you can do two different ways is what you're trying to say. So you yeah. can pick a day of the year, like your birthday or a day that means a lot to you, like yeah. Black Friday. Maybe it'll limit you from spending too much. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I would need that. <laughs> So then there are three credit reporting bureaus. So there's more than that, but the main ones and the most official okay. ones are three. Yeah. Okay. So I just go to annualcreditreport.com mm -hmm. and I can order all three from Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion mm -hmm. at the same time, mm -hmm. or I can stagger that every four months. Yes, exactly. Okay. Is there a benefit to ordering them all at the same time versus staggering? Staggering would be best um, if you are going to, let's say, Katie, you tell me in a month you want to go and apply for a mortgage. I would say that just do all three today just because you want to start working and make sure that everything looks fine, right? As opposed to whenever you apply for a mortgage, finding out that there was a collection that you didn't know about and now it's too late. You already applied for a mortgage and you already had a hard inquiry for nothing, so if you're going to make a big purchase, I would recommend you do all three today. Okay. So when you get that credit report, 
what you're just saying, mm -hmm. you may find a surprise on there that you either never approved a transaction, it could maybe be identity theft, mm -hmm. or there just might be a complete error on your credit report. Yes, yes. Did I had clients that had, for example, one of them had a car loan that wasn't hers. She said that she's never even applied for a car loan, and it was three months behind, <sighs> and she didn't even know about. Um, I had clients that are uh, kind of young, and they've had to open credit cards when whenever they were 11 years old. So clearly identity theft, right? So all of those things are very scary at first, but places like annual credit report, they focus on that. So you can dispute the uh, whatever problem or mistake there is on the credit report and they'll help you and they'll guide you through it. So even if you're not looking to buy a mortgage or acquire additional credit, mm -hmm. checking your credit report is important for identity theft and all the data breaches that we have going on. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. Oh, wow. Do you have any other clients that are finding identity theft? How common of an occurrence is it to find an error on a credit report? To find a little error, it's pretty normal. I see it on a weekly basis. To find identity theft, I've seen it only three times. Okay. Mm -hmm. And maybe you could speak a little bit more to those smaller errors what should people be looking for when they order that credit report um for example sometimes uh, some errors will be that something is reporting as it was behind and it's not um there are some serious delinquency that shows that for example in our case we use experience to gather all of our information uh, so sometimes experience will say that there is a serious delinquency but our client has never been behind on anything so there is something that i might not be able to see that if you go on annual credit report might give you uh, more insight of what this is another client uh filed for bankruptcy over 10 years ago and he was still showing on their credit report and that is something that shouldn't be there according to whatever chapter you uh, filed it should be at least 10 years past that it's gone so just small errors like that uh, let me think or to one credit card reporting twice or a credit card not reporting for the last six months. So it's showing you that you haven't paid your debt and you haven't brought it down whenever you actually are. Is there, other than ordering your credit report from annualcreditreport.com, is there another way that you can kind of track or manage your credit score on a more regular basis? And if you can, is that something that people should be doing? I definitely think that you do want to monitor your credit score, maybe not your credit report as much because you will have to pay, but your credit score, banks now are, nowadays are doing this where you are, you're allowed to see your credit score and it is a soft inquiry, which means it doesn't hurt the credit score to see it. Um, banks, main banks like Chase, uh, Chase Guard or Bank of America, Discover, all of those. Am I allowed to say names of banks? <laughs> um are able to give you your FICO score, sometimes Vantage score, which is another model uh, that uh, provides you numbers, credit score numbers. So you're able to see them once a month, and I would encourage you to do that because then you will be able to see. Don't obsess too much about it uh, because usually in a month you won't see a lot of change, but it's, it's something that if you see your credit score dropping 100 points, it can automatically alarm it, and then you're you know you, there's something that happened and you want to check. So usually if we get very acquainted with our online account, we'll find that actually there's way more perks that banks are giving us that we are not taking advantage of. 
Okay. And is this the, the kind of conversation that you're having when clients call in and want to chat about their credit score? So part, yes, because I give a lot of general recommendation. I always tell clients, you want to make sure... I'll give you a bunch of different recommendations and you take the ones that apply more to your lifestyle, right? But there also, I have to see a credit report because everybody is different. Everybody's credit report is different. So I'll tell you different things according to what I see on your credit report. So some recommendations might show up and some might not because you might not need that. Do you have any recommendations that you kind of see over and over? Is there any sort of pattern that we have with our clients? Any sort of tip that you routinely give out? I... Yeah, there's two that I can think of. Number one, I always, always, always tell clients that opening new credit cards hurts you more than you think it does. Really? Yes, because places like uh, Credit Karma, for example, they tell you, oh, based on your credit score, you can apply for this credit card, right? And it looks, since you are in a place that you're trying to improve your credit score, it makes you think that maybe if you open this credit card, your credit score is going to improve. But that's actually false because number one, Uh, 15% of your FICO score, it is length of uh, credit history. So it is an average. So the more new credit cards you have, the younger your average gets. And just like in life, the older, the wiser, you want to have a very, very good age on your length of credit history. So you shorten the time by opening that many new credit cards. And also the, the other one that I always see repeating is the hard increase. Sometimes we'll have three, four, five different hard inquiries in our in our credit report per year. And they do stay with you up to 24 months. So, And it is recommended to not have more than one per year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So a hard inquiry will stay up to, up to 24 months. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And any more than one hard inquiry is going to start having a more dramatic effect on your credit Yes, credit? definitely. And this is something um, that I'm not proud of, but I, I will share. I sometimes share my personal experience with my clients just so they know that I'm real. My sure, credit score absolutely. is not perfect. Um, so one time I applied for two credit cards in the same year, which I should have known better, right? Um, but I applied and nothing changed. My debt to income, uh, my debt to credit ratio actually decreased and my credit score dropped 30 points, which I thought it was a little dramatic if you're, if you ask me. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, it, nothing really it changed except the two hard increase in the same year. It was like, from three months apart. So yeah, I know that 10% in your credit report of hard increase doesn't sound like a lot, but in the long run, it really, it's 25% if you count that 15% of length of credit history. Sure. I mean, I had a similar experience and you actually kind of helped me out a little bit because I had an account that I was trying to drop after I cha- after I got married and was changing my name because it was kind of a headache, <laughs> but it was my oldest account. It was some 10 years old yeah. and every other account that I had was not quite a year. Mm-hmm. So you told me, yeah, I would Yay. see a <laughs> dramatic decline in my credit score. Yeah, yeah you, you would have. And it usually stays for about the next seven years. Um, but you would lose, in that case, you would lose uh, credit limit availability. Um, and then, yeah, you would lose that. Okay, so that, we, you kind of mentioned something, too, when we were talking about the age of accounts. You mm-hmm. were talking about the debt to credit ratio. Mm-hmm. And this is something that was newer for me when I started working here, which was credit u- utilization. Mm-hmm. I always assumed that if you were given a $10,000 credit limit on your credit card, that meant you could spend every single one of that $10,000. You would think because they're (laughs) approving you for that, right? (laughs) No, but uh, no, not at all. Actually, what I've seen from uh, just working with Experian is that 
creditors don't only want you to not use more than 30% overall, but also per credit card. So I always tell clients, if they approve you for $10,000, please don't use more than $3,000. And if they approve you for $100, don't use more than $30, even if you pay it off. Just don't, like 30%, it is the golden rule for finances, let's say. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) 30%. 30%. That seems very low. Yes. Of a percentage. (laughs) Yes, but there's ways that we can bypass that. Let's say, for example, asking every year, I tell clients, don't be afraid of asking for a credit limit increase. Like You have power as the buyer. And I think that clients don't realize how much power we have. I think that we drive the market according to our behavior, right? But people don't realize that. So I tell clients that I personally, with my Discover card, every year I go ask for a credit limit increase, even if I don't need it. Um, And even if they haven't offered. And of course, you want to make sure first to ask if they do a hard inquiry on your credit before you ask for a credit limit increase. And if they say no, then what's the rush? The worst thing that can happen is that they say no and your credit limit still stays the same, you know? Yeah. Or another way that we can bypass that is also just paying them in full. Uh, the not carrying balances because the problem is that may, sometimes we are below the 30%, but banks are known, especially retailers, for having killer APRs, right? So if you have, let's say you're using 28%, but then that interest hits and it bumps you up. Okay, so let let me just repeat this because this is shocking to me. So not only can am I not supposed to spend over 30% of my credit limit, mm-hmm. But if I can't pay it off and that interest accumulates, that goes toward my credit utilization? Yes, because it's taking away from what you can what you can spend. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's so insane. You, okay. <laughs> so you really have to watch that number. You really do. And the best way for you to reach uh, that point is by not carrying a balance, using them, using your credit cards like a tool for you to get maybe a little bit of cashback or just being able to have the opportunity for you to one day uh, buy a home and have good credit, not for you to... um, not for you, because I tell clients, and I don't know if you want to put this in the podcast, but I always tell clients, if you go to Target and you buy a sweater, let's say that that sweater is for some reason $10, right? Um, then whenever after, if you carry that balance, you're not going to pay $10 for that sweater. You're going to pay um, usually $12.50. So if you couldn't afford to pay it off on the first place, why would you want to spend more money on the sweater that you couldn't afford in the first place? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good point. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're right. If you tell yourself it's only $10. It is not after. Right. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, if I found a $10 bill on the ground, I would pick it up. Exactly. I wouldn't just say it's only $10. It's only, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't. Okay. So going back to credit scores, if I have nowhere, no idea where to start, what should I do with my credit score or credit report? So if you do not know anything, so you're just starting? I don't starting? know anything. I don't know if I should be concerned. I don't know where to go. Okay. Can I call you? Definitely. We would love to. Uh, we would love to help you. Uh, we have great certified financial counselors that can help you kind of figure everything out. And if you have some questions about credit scores, you can contact me uh, directly and all my information. Yeah, we'll share your information okay. on the, <laughs> with our readers on the uh, podcast show notes website. Okay, 
And I want to ask you too, so DebtWave actually came out and released a small, very small study, but it relates to what you are doing exactly, which is we had 116 clients from 46 states plus Washington, D.C., that were enrolled in our debt management program. So that means they met one-on-one -on -one with a credit counselor, and then a lot of them talked to you or with Chase and Felipe about budgeting, um, and they also participated in our Smart With Your Money financial education series. We had 79 people. Their credit score went from 625 to 638. I love that. And in the second year, we had 29 people that continued the program and kept up their financial education. Their credit scores increased on average from 612 to 686. Wow. So I wanted to ask you what you think. How important is financial education or making those smart financial decisions? How much of a role does that play in having a healthy credit score? I think that knowledge is power. Of course, I would say that. Uh, but I think the more you know, the more likely you're to make changes. Because sometimes it's not that you're bad with your money. Sometimes you just didn't know the 30% rule. Or sometimes it's not that you have a bad credit score because of your payment history. But sometimes there's a mistake or something that we didn't know about doing so many hard inquiries where you could hurt. So as long as you know, and there's so many resources nowadays where you can find information about finances in the way that matches your learning style. So there's YouTube, there's podcasts, there's reading that you can do. Uh, there's blogs like the one that we have at DebtWave that has so many good information. I sometimes share it with my clients. Um, so there's so many ways that as long as you know, what's in your credit report or what are the five factors that affect your FICO score that we can start making changes. That sounds great. Any other advice for people looking to improve their credit score? I'm trying to think. So I would say, uh, number one, just talk to us. You are already paying a monthly service fee. Utilize that. Everybody here knows a little bit about finances. Um, so just make sure that you utilize whatever you're already, it's at your, in your hands to use. Uh, and number two, put your credit cards on automatic payments, at least minimum payment. Um, because sometimes I understand we forget life gets busy. So just make sure you put them on small, um, the minimum automatic payment. And then what you'll do is whenever you have extra cash, once your budget allows it, you can put extra but you already know that the accounts are being paid right on time. Can you set it up to pay in full? Yes. So you can do very different things. So number one, you can do uh, minimum payments. Another one, you can do full statement balance. Then you can also put a set amount that you want to put. For, let's say that your minimum payments are $30 on that credit card. You can put $300 in just every month, $300. I think another a recommendation I would give clients is if you want to get out of credit card debt, the only way out, I guess there's two things to that come hand in hand. Number one, ask for help. Research has shown that if you have accountability, you're more likely to succeed. And number two, stop using those credit cards, right? And then you'll be able to see those balances actually decreasing because you're no longer adding more onto that pile. That makes sense. So stop using it so you can actually pay it off. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
and ask for help. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us on our show today. Thank you so much, Katie, for having me. I love this. Perfect. We'll have to have you back and chat a little bit more about other credit score related topics coming up. I would love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I'm telling you, Felipe, I thought that that was an incredibly good and informative interview that Katie had with Adriana. Absolutely. I think uh, a lot of good takeaways. A lot of good takeaways. And that just goes to show you that for those that are still with us uh, and listening that um, taking care of your credit report and your credit scores are really incredibly important. And knowing how to financially be smart, um, budget, keep your money on your cash flow good, you've got to use credit to build credit. And if you want to buy that home or that car and you want to pay lower interest rates, it's something that you really have to t- that keep track of and, and take care of. It's true. And it's one of those catch-22s. You know, you have to have credit to build credit. And then if you don't have credit, no one will give you credit to start off. That's why it's important that once you do have uh, a line of credit or, or lines of credit that you take good care of them. Yeah, and thanks again to Adriana for taking the time to do that podcast with Katie. Next week, stay tuned. Uh, podcast number three is going to have a inc- really, really good interview with uh, Sarah Aravalo and and yours truly over here, yeah. Felipe. I hope I don't uh, get myself new in parents, trouble. New parents <laughs> uh, and what they do for a living, obviously, is, is help people with their financial situations and budgeting, especially Felipe over here. And they're going to talk about the costs of being new parents, the costs of babies. Um, and the, the name of the bod- podcast will be, and baby makes three uh, because it's our third podcast, but it is something that you don't want to miss because it is funny, but it is also incredibly informative. So stay tuned next week and baby makes three. Stay with us. See you next week. 